Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Just Shayin. I am sorry that it has been a hot longer than a minute since our last episode, but hey, we're here, we're doing this, and I'm excited to kind of just share what's been on my heart lately. Let's go! Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-winged two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is Just Shayin'. Well, here we are. Um... I have contemplated even going here. I know that I probably always say that, <laughs> but it's real. Like, I, it's real. I like wrote down a list of things that I could talk about. I was like, oh, this one and that one. This one would probably be a little bit easier. This one would be, you know, a little bit more smooth to the ears. Uh, but, you know, that's just not really how I roll. So um, I want to attempt, and by attempt, I mean to scratch the surface, essentially, of a topic that I feel like um, probably needs to be talked about more. Um, just throwing it out there, um, I would like to talk about sin. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I know. It got real awkward. Maybe it got awkward with you. Maybe you're like, yeah, we need to hear this. Or maybe you're like, "Mm, I think I'll fast forward this episode. Well, I would encourage you to not because I believe that the truth will set you free. And I think that this is a topic that the church needs to talk about. Um, I don't know why it's so daunting as if the word sin is like the Christian cuss word. Um, it's really sad to me because if it wasn't for our sin, we wouldn't, you know, like we wouldn't even need a cross. Um, so to negate the topic of sin is to negate the necessity of the cross. Um, that was good. That just came out of my spirit, you know? Um, but yeah, so I (laughs) crack myself up sometimes. Um, but, um, I've been digging into the depths of my own um, stuff and um, just really been like letting the Holy Spirit confront me. I don't know where you are, um, but um, yeah, I don't know where you are in this walk, but I would dare to say that if you haven't been confronted lately, maybe you're just standing still Um, Because the more we advance in this relationship with Christ, the more we have to look like him, which means by his grace, I am lovingly getting confronted. Um, I love the word of God. I love the Bible. I love scripture. I love spiritual charismania craziness. Um, But I've come to terms in my heart, this is set in stone that the best encounter that you could ever, 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 ever have is repentance. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance, y'all. I'm all about the crazy. I'm all about, you know, spiritual swirly things happening. 
Um, but I think culturally, specifically in Charismania, we have kind of um, allowed all those kind of encounters. And I believe those encounters are, you know, they are essential. Um, and, you know, the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Father's heart, like the baptism of love, like I think they are all essential. Um, but I think the foundation of all of that is a good old fashioned come to Jesus moment. Shata basante. Uh, <laughs> um, those moments remind me of my humanity and my need for Christ. Uh, and it's just really interesting that it's almost as if the American church specifically, and let's just keep in mind, I'm going to say this just in case I have a new listener. Um, I love the American church. Um, I love the body of Christ. I feel called to her because I am her, not because um, I have some mantle on, you know, some banner on my wall that says, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. It is, I am called to her because I am her. I am the body. I am the bride that happens to live in America. So therefore, I'm the American body and bride. And so I have a huge heart for her, um, but I'm also not idolizing her. And so I am willing to um, be pruned and, oh gosh, all the other you know, words, um, refining all of it because I am her. And, um, I did an episode back. Um, I don't even know when last year, I don't even know, maybe it was this year. Um, about just how scar though she's scarred, she's still sacred. Um, and as dysfunctional as she is, or seemingly is, is, um, God's still going to use her. (laughs) Why? Because he's still using you. And your dysfunction, and he's still using me um, because he's not intimidated by our dysfunction. Um, he's not intimidated by our flaws. He's actually not intimidated by us at all. Um, if you're the the view you have in God is intimidation, then you're probably picturing a God that looks like you um, and not like God. Um, I've been just having this in my spirit, man. But God is not looking at you with a pointed finger. God's actually looking at you with open arms. Um, That is not to negate, you know, I think sometimes what happens in in Christianity is we go to one extreme or the other extreme. So you have these huge extremes about father heart, you know, these people about identity and my God, we do need it. We do need the father's heart. We need to know our identity in Christ. We need to know the promises and you know, what it is to walk in heaven on earth. Like we need that. The other side of that extreme is we have these people um, that live on the other side in the extremity of, uh, I mean, we have so many, I could sit here for hours and talk about different, you know, segments of Christianity and beliefs and, and all these things. And they all to a degree play a part. Um, But the core, I think, um, at least what I believe should be a topic that we aren't as a church scared to talk about is sin. I know, I know it's daunting. It's seemingly intimidating because we don't like to be called out, but we are quick to call out somebody else. Um, and so for the last few months, um, I have allowed, who I want, I, I mean, it was by choice, I guess, but also just Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like, I'm not sure how much of a choice I had. Um, but my heart, my choice, my big, big choice is to look like Christ, 
So in that endeavor, I seemingly always sign up for a greater surrender. Uh, and I'm sure you could attest to that. You're probably sitting in your car or at your office going, Psh, you right, girl. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm sure we can all relate to this in some way or the other. Um, but it's been this like topic that I'm like, I, I'm really sitting back and asking myself, like, when's the last time I heard a solid message on sin? Like, when's the last time you went to a church? And this is not to beat up any pastors that are listening by any stretch. Um, this is not for you to go and give it to your pastor to say, you need to listen to this because, we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, this is for you to check your own heart the way that I've checked mine and continue to check mine. Um, when is the last time we heard a message on sin? When's the last time we talked about idolatry and adultery and lawlessness and rebellion. And these are words that I think at one point it was almost like they were so overly used that I think Christians just stopped kind of using them. And now it's kind of like, wait, where did they go? You know, I feel like there's this pull to um, the father heart, which I love in this, you know, idea of we're saints and yes, we are. Um, that we so forget about the sin side of it. And so it's daunting and it's like so much. And sometimes it feels like, you know, doomsday. And it's like, no, actually, it's not doomsday. It's actually the whole point of it is resurrection. <laughs> you know, um, we already had Easter. Um, and so it's just interesting to me, like, you know, how quick... Culturally, in church culture, we are to talk about resurrection. And I love it. I am here for some resurrection. But without the cross, like, you don't have resurrection. So many people want the benefit, but they don't want to bear the cross. And I, I say that out of love because it's, it's something that I'm fully capable of doing in a mindset that I'm fully capable um, of having. And so... Um, I don't know. It's just this interesting thing because, you know, like we have we use the word sin, but it's culturally not accurate. We talk about, you know, your guilty pleasure and, you know, this chocolate is sinful, you know, and it's just kind of become this like description word. Uh, you know, uh, there's lots of, you know, things that when you think of the word sin, you know, you're not necessarily like you are thinking some major things, but you're also not. Um, and so I've just been pondering on it. If I'm being honest with y'all, I've really just been asking the Lord to expose sin, um, which is not the funnest thing I've ever asked, but also the most fruitful thing. And I'm daring us as believers to ask him to expose things in our heart. Um, I believe that we are, you know, we are walking closer and closer to seeing a huge movement of God. Um, but I think it's going to take him cleaning his body. And I think that it's easy to, to, to tell everybody that. It's easy to be like, he's cleansing. He's cleansing the body and the bride. And he is. But it's almost like we're like we want to talk about it generically. But we don't actually want to talk about it, you know, Um and so it's just so interesting to me. I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by it. But I uh, realized that I've done a podcast on I, idols. Um, 
and just think, you know, different things like here and there and pride and things like that. But I just, I don't know. I'm asking that the father, um, would come and give me, take me back, take me back. Uh, I think so many times we were like, take me back to my first love. Like, remind me what I got saved from. Remind me from the first, you know, the first moment that I encountered you. And that's great. Uh, there's this saying um, that's like, I can't remember it fully, but it says something to the degree is this. Um, you know, let me, like, I personally need to be reminded of the gospel every day. And I think sometimes we just simply forget uh, I think culturally, there's so much going on. Um, there's so many things being said. There's so many things happening in the world um, that we forget. We forget to sit with the gospel and let it read us. We're quick to read it, maybe even in our word and our quiet time, but we are slow to let it read us. And And I've just been sitting back realizing like it's easy to poke at somebody else's sin, but Typically, the only reason I see sin in someone else's life is because I have it in my own. And that is not to beat anybody else up or beat you up or even myself. That's just the truth. Um, and so I I wanted to just hit a couple things of rebel Like rebellion is sin. Rebellion is as witchcraft. I'm not trying to go super deep into this. But I'm telling y'all, like it, it lays in our hearts towards God towards people, towards godly authority. Uh, And, you know, you can sit here all day and say, well, my leadership's bad and it's unhealthy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, God told me that I'm a Lone Ranger and, you know, all these prophetic words. And I'm not going to sit here and beat you up for them. But I'm telling you, you better check your heart because rebellion is really comfortable culturally right now. It is the thing that people are celebrating is this idea of no authority and you are your own authority and, you know, speak your truth. Um, and so we have to, we have to be, be aware. We have to be aware of where our heart really is. Um, we all want to change. We all want to feel significant. We all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. But we need to make sure that that, that thing that we're a part of is actually kingdom and not culture, because it's really, really easy to say it's kingdom, but it's actually culture. Um, so check our hearts on rebellion. I, I've checked my own heart because it's easy. It's easy to want to be your own boss <laughs> and want to um, justify things in your heart and in your life that you know that they are not Christ. They are not God. And you are quick. I am quick to label it as him, to justify it, to justify uh, my pleasure over what he's really asked me, you know, um, and to rebel, rebel against the word of God, rebel against, you know, wise counsel. I'm not saying that they are the end all be all, but he is, he is the end all be all. And so I'm just calling us into, um, Yeah, just be aware of your heart because it's easy. It's easy to think like, yeah, I'm doing it. And really at the core of it is just this crazy, ridiculous seed of rebellion of I don't want to be told what to do. I want to control my own life. And that's just, it's not. It becomes witchcraft. It becomes scary. It's a slippery slope. 
Um, idolatry. I can usually never say that word, but I'm really trying hard to say it right. Idolatry uh, is having idols. Um, and, you know, like it's like biblically, like I could go here. There's lots of places in the world where people build idols, idol worship from statues to um, it just shrines, basically, of gods and of human heroes and and things like that. Uh, and I'm not saying we don't celebrate people or celebrate um, things that happen. There's a difference between celebration and idolatry where you are essentially beholding something more than God. Um, you're going to become what you behold. It's that easy. It's that easy. You're going to become the thing that you behold. So what are you beholding? What are you beholding? You have mentors in your life, whether you actually have one or not, you have them. You have voices that you hear in your head. You have voices on social media. You have the news. You have constant people saying their beliefs and their ideas and their ideology and things like that. And my question for myself and for everyone listening is, is what are you beholding? What are you giving more time to? What are you prioritizing more than the presence of God? I don't say this to shame anyone. Your girl is not shaming nobody. I'm just doing a hard check-in. A hard one and a heart check-in. Because we need it, church. We need it, saints. You are not immune. You're not immune. Yes, you may be a saint, but you are not immune. You are not immune to idols and creating your own and one specifically that I can think of is just the idol of self culturally um in this huge self-care self-love movement it's easy to have a self-sufficient gospel um I'm not going to go super deep into this but and I'm not saying not to love yourself I'm not saying that because he says you know love your neighbor the way that you love yourself um So I'm not trying to make it bigger than it is, but I am telling you there comes a place where it becomes scary and it becomes becomes un-Christ-like. It's not Christ anymore. It's become self. Um, And so we have to check into these things because it's sin. It's sin. You begin to worship yourself. That is sin. It is sin. And... The beautiful thing about that is that all it does is take it takes repentance, and it's his kindness that gets us there. Uh, another one is adultery, and I know that one probably comes with a bunch of feels because we think of certain situations and we think of the word adultery. We think of scandal, you know, sex scandals in ministry. We think of, um, you know, people that have falling into lust and you know, people that have had, a, have had affairs, and we think of it as this huge, like, sexual thing. Uh, and and there, to a degree, a lot of it can be that. But I think the basic way to break down adultery is loving something more than you love him. And that could be anything. It could be... Um, you know, you're no longer just worshiping something, you're giving yourself to something. You know, I, I there, there's so many stories I could go into, but it's not the idea that you don't love God. It's just that you love something more than God. 
and that that's that is hardcore maybe you're like oh shoot you can still love god and love things more than god and to the point where you are giving yourself to these things and that is what's making it adultery and it doesn't have to be sexual it doesn't have to be with a person it doesn't have to be pornography it can be anything else it can be food it can be your love for cars it could be i don't know sports uh sport teams politics um it could be i mean gosh the list goes on and on that you would rather give yourself to this narrative than the narrative of the gospel oh man i'm even saying it sitting here like ah maybe i shouldn't but i should because it's the truth that sets us free and and, um you know i i'm so matter of fact and and i believe with every ounce of me that god is on the move and i want to make sure that we all all have eyes to see and ears to hear and i think that it takes these talks to do that I know they're not like, hip, hip, hooray, woohoo! You know, they're like, oh gosh, she's poking and prodding me. Well, I'm poking and prodding myself, so welcome to the club. Uh, and, you know, your encouragement is that you're not alone. Um, I keep thinking about John 6. I've been in John chapter 6 for, gosh, it feels like forever. Um, but it basically, right before John 6 starts, it's Jesus in the, the bottom of John chapter 5, and he says, you need to drink you know, drink my blood and eat my flesh. And I just think, man, that is not a podcast you want to listen to. You know, if I started telling you to do that, you'd be like, I'm out of here. Shay's getting kooky and I'm definitely leaving a bad review. Um, and, uh, you know, as I probably would do the same, like nobody's trying to hear that weirdy of a kind of message. Um, but then right in John chapter six, it says many left Jesus Many left Jesus because his message was offensive. And I think sometimes we're so prone in American church and American um, gospel to hear a stroke your back, name it, claim it, promises message that when someone comes in with a message that's kind of offensive to our flesh, we're like, get out of here. You're making me uncomfortable. And really, they're bringing you life. And they're bringing you truth. They're bringing you growth because God is coming for a, a church that's mature. And maturity looks like non-self-sufficient gospel. It looks like Christ. It looks like his reflection. Um, he's coming for an army. And he's not coming for, um, you know, anything less than that. And so... I know it's offensive, but my goal is that if you're listening to this, that you wouldn't be one of the people that leaves um, because his gospel is offensive. And if you're reading the Bible and it's just comforting you and not confronting you, then I would go tell you to read chapter 6 of John. I would tell you to go read chapter 15 of John. Um, You know, it's not just because, yay, I'm the vine and, you know, I'm the branch and he's the vine, you know, and... No, it's, it's, hey, hello, like he's pruning and he's plucking and he's doing it for his purposes. And there's people listening that you're just straight up offended at God. Uh, Maybe he didn't answer, you know, your prayer request the way you wanted him to. Or maybe, you know, like 
his gospel is offending your flesh and you just, you're choosing your flesh. Um, you know, and you're looking for ways to justify your flesh. Um, and the thing is, God's not wrong. I know that sucks to hear, but it's the truth. God is not wrong, nor will he ever be wrong. God knows what's best for his children. And it doesn't mean that it's comfortable. It doesn't mean that it's comfortable. And it doesn't mean that he's asking the same thing of you that he's asking of me. But I think the core of it is is that you get to look like him and I get to look like him. Now, what he's dealing with inside of me is probably different than what he's dealing with inside of you and the way that it's manifesting. But he's coming for a mature body. He's coming for a mature bride. So I just want to say to whoever the heck is listening, wherever you are, how... Are you responding to the gospel? And I know it, it's not comfortable. Even the word sin, when you first hear it, you're kind of like, oh gosh, it's kind of cringy. But hey, you know what? The day that you can go, hey, actually, I am in sin and I need him every day is the moment that he shows up. At the beginning of this podcast, I said, you know, you know, Christ's posture towards us is not pointing the finger, but it's actually open arms towards us. He's a father, and he's not a mean father. I don't know what your relationship is with your father, but he's not a mean father. The only thing that he gets angry at is the thing that gets in between me and him. So he'll do whatever to get rid of the thing that's in between me and him. And it's not because he put it there. It's usually because I put it there. And out of his furious, crazy, ridiculous love, he will get to me. He will, he will, he wants all of me. And he will tear down every idol that I have. He will confront all of the rebellion of my heart. He will call out all of the other lovers in my soul that I want to turn to. He will call out entertainment. He will call out complacency and apathy. He will because his hot pursuit of me and of you. It's not because he's mean. It's because he's in love. And when you're in love... It's just a whole nother level of pursuit. And so I know I hit some like major things, but I'm just like, like I'm all about the benefits of the cross. And I believe we are supposed to be living from them. But I'm also just so sad and to a degree that it's like it's a topic that most people aren't really talking about. You know, um, when I can talk about sin, not glorify, I am not glorifying sin, but the awareness of my sin allows for the awareness for my need for him. And to that measure, come and expose me, God. I need you. And when I need you, I know you're there. 
Because his word says the broken and contrite, he'll never leave. He'll never leave those that know that they need him. I think of the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3. It says, you're a church that didn't know that you needed, that you didn't need me. And God confronts their indifference, their ability to be their own God. To not be hot or cold, but to be lukewarm and be indifferent. And it says, you forgot that you needed me, essentially. And I think some of us have done that. We forgot that we actually need God. And what's crazy about that is, in some degree, it looks spiritual. Because, oh, I know my promises. Or, oh, I have the book of Ephesians memorized. Or whatever but you don't you're not aware of your need for him oh i can quote this and i can pray this and i can fast but you're not aware that you need him beloved and we have a church that's not aware of their need and the more I dive into this, the more I realize I need him but the more I'm realizing he's actually here So instead of saying, I'm in a wilderness and I don't know where he went, it's more of a, oh my gosh, you've been here the whole time. You've been here the whole time. And I'm not saying that that's everyone and that's everyone's, you know, story. But what I am saying is that you need him. We need him desperately. Sin. He's after our sin. He's after it to transform it. And to turn it, turn us <clears throat> into a reflection of Him. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're facing. But I'm telling you, you need Him. And I say that because you do. I say that because there's a joy in that. I say that because that's why you invited Him to your heart. is because you were aware in that moment that you needed him. And it wasn't just for the benefits. It was because he came and he transformed you and he turned your depression into joy and he turned you into something different. He turned you, your cold, hard, stony heart into a heart of flesh. And it still needs him. It still needs him every day. Maybe your heart is not hard or cold or stony, but you still need him. You need sanctification. You need transformation. You need the renewing of your mind. And in order for all of that to really work, you need to know that you need him in order to do that. And so, saints, I'm asking you and myself into a new measure of awareness of neediness. Neediness is a gift when it's with God. When your neediness is for people, it turns into codependency and the fear of man. But when you are needy on God and you are dependent upon him, it is a beautiful place to live. It is not comfortable, but it is exactly what you need. It is exactly what you were made for, and it's exactly what you're craving. And so I just pray for us today 
that we would know our need for him and that we would have the courage to pray, God, make me aware of my need for you. Come and clean the things that I've easily justified in my heart, the things that I love more than you, the things that I prioritize more than you. Come and visit my heart. Come and clean it. Come and show me. And do what only you can do by transforming my heart. Thank you guys for listening. I pray that you feel encouraged. And I pray that we would, that we would ultimately look like the Father. And that today you could be his hands and feet. That today you could be his reflection to humanity because that's what they need. They need people that really look like God. They need people to really reflect Christ. They don't need someone that's pretending to have it all together.